Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Day Sun Digest podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Angelina Davis. I'm one of the liaison clinical pharmacists with Day Sun. And today I want to dive into an article that I really feel like it's home for many of our facilities. Because one of the most common reasons why antibiotics are started is for a suspected serious infection. But how many times have we had the suspicion and then later on find that we have no positive culture results to support the continuation of antibiotics? So this article published by Samir Kadri and colleagues in Open Forum Infectious Diseases actually tackles just that. It is the early discontinuation of antibiotics in patients admitted with clinically suspected serious infection by negative cultures. It is actually a retrospective cohort study of practice patterns and outcomes at 111 U.S. hospitals. When patients are hospitalized for a serious infection, we are very concerned with the likelihood of morbidity and mortality associated with the progression of that infection. And we want, if at all possible, to identify the pathogens that may be present so that we can ensure that there is appropriate antibiotic coverage. However, in 28 to 49% of patients who are admitted with sepsis, we don't have that information. And this culture-negative sepsis, what we call it, may actually be due to a number of reasons. One is that maybe the sample was never collected. We see this very frequently when it comes to patients being hospitalized for suspected pneumonia. Or there can be lack of growth due to maybe previous antibiotic administration or the type of organism that may be present. There may also be irregularities associated with how the specimens or the samples are collected and transported or even processed. Those can all impact culture yield. In addition to the fact that it may just simply be due to some other process or non-infectious disease state that may be ongoing at that time that is causing it to mimic or uh, look like sepsis. So when we're thinking about all of these possibilities, it becomes difficult for us, especially as stewards, to determine whether or not there is true infection versus one of these other scenarios that are at play. And because there is difficulty in being able to determine the difference, often antibiotics continue for extended periods of time. We don't have any literature to really guide us in terms of what we are to do when we have culture negative results. And we definitely don't have an optimal duration of therapy that has been proposed. As a matter of fact, when clinicians reference an older article that was published in 2018 as a retrospective cohort study looking at culture negative septic shock compared with culture positive septic shock, that study of ICUs of 28 academic and community hospitals in three countries, and this was dated between 1997 and 2010, those patients studied exhibited similar overall survival as well as um, ICU survival 
regardless of whether or not they had culture negative septic shock or if they had culture positive septic shock. So because of those similarities, many providers have been reluctant to avoid antibiotics out of the fear that they would lead to an increase in overall mortality because when antibiotics were started appropriately and early, that mortality rate actually decreased in that older study. So for us who are working in the hospital and doing stewardship day-to-day, this uh, hypothesis-generating study is actually very helpful in determining how we should approach recommending early discontinuation of antibiotics. Uh, In this particular study, they're looking at discontinuation at roughly three to four days and assessing the adjusted mortality risk associated with that. The data used for this study was obtained through HealthFax, and HealthFax is a large multi-hospital electronic uh, medical record database that is provided by Cerner. What they actually look for were patients aged greater than or equal to 20 years that were admitted to 111 U.S. hospitals between the dates of January 2009 and December 2014. What they did attempt to do is to exclude cases where the encounters did not include at least one diagnosis code, one medication order, and one laboratory result. This was an attempt to ensure the completeness of data. So I want to clarify a few definitions just to make sure that we're on the same page. One is that sepsis was defined based upon the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Adult Sepsis Events Criteria. They define this as clinically suspected serious infection with evidence of organ dysfunction as determined by the ESOFA criteria. Now, based upon this particular definition, they also define three other things, septic shock, early sepsis, and late sepsis. So septic shock was defined as clinically suspected serious infection with the need for vasopressors within two days of the index blood culture. Early sepsis was defined as a positive adult sepsis event flagged within seven days after the index blood culture. And late sepsis was defined as an adult sepsis event that was greater than seven days after emission. So those were the definitions used just so that when you hear this as we move through the study or reviewing the study, you'll understand what definitions were being used and what criteria was in place in order to categorize the patients. Patients were excluded with culture or non-culture based laboratory evidence of any type of active infection. So if they had a positive blood culture or positive sputum culture or positive urine cultures, they were excluded. If there was a positive pneumococcal and Legionella urine antigen, they were excluded, positive acute infection serologies, all of those things led to an exclusion in this study. And this was for up to seven days post-index blood culture sampling. So they were trying to give as much time as possible to most appropriately define uh, the context of a culture negative status. 
In addition to this, there were a few other exclusions that were also considered, such as the potential likelihood for contaminations or contaminants that may be present, uh, as well as whether uh, something such as an antibiotic timeout was in place. And so they limited to patients who were hemodynamically stable or had attained stability, meaning they were not on any vasopressors and were without a reported fever or core hypothermia by day four from the index blood culture. So there were a lot of uh, definitions and a lot of criteria that were put into place to, as best as possible, uh, ensure that they were truly looking at a culture negative status when it came to uh, the population of interest. So the primary outcome was the adjusted odds ratio of in-hospital mortality or discharge to hospice. And the secondary outcomes included ad adjusted odds of C. difficile infection and late sepsis indicators. And this was categorized as either early or late discontinuation, with early discontinuation being at three or four days, and late discontinuation as greater than or equal to five days of antibiotics, and they did adjust for compounders. So when we look at the data, they started with over 2 million inpatient encounters that were identified in the Cerner Health Facts system. And based upon all of the exclusion criteria, that led to a primary cohort of 20,714 patients. What was notable about the baseline characteristics is that pulmonary was actually the most common presumed site of infection. And then second to that was urinary, but pulmonary was really almost twice that in terms of number 4,826 compared to 2,261, which was the urinary source. So a significant portion of this culture negative group was associated with pulmonary infection. Also, another thing to note is that uh, within this population, about 10% with culture negative sepsis were admitted to the ICU. And this included about 24% of those with early sepsis indicators. So if you had an early sepsis indicator, you were more likely to uh, also be admitted to the ICU. So let's talk about the early discontinuation of antibiotics. Now remember this early discontinuation occurs at roughly day three or, or four, after three or four consecutive days of antibiotic therapy. And what was noted is that early discontinuation among patients that had the culture negative sepsis occurred less frequently. Now this range among hospitals that were included in the study, so that range went anywhere from 0.8% to upwards of 40%. And what was interesting was that even when you look at the shorter durations, the discontinuation at three or four days versus those who received therapy for greater than or equal to five days, they were relatively similar. When it came to their demographic data as well as comorbidity data, that at baseline was similar. So when you look at the primary outcome of in-hospital mortality or discharge to hospice, a total of 740, which represented 4% of those patients in the culture negative uh, sepsis group, and 299, which represented 7% of those uh, who also had culture negative sepsis and early sepsis indicators, died. 
or were discharged to hospice. So this is reflective, once again, of a relatively infrequent um, mortality as well as association with discharge to hospice for patients who had culture negative sepsis. And it was even less frequent with early sepsis indicators. So in addition to assessing the primary outcome, they also evaluated this outcome amongst various subsets of patients. One of the first subsets was patients with early sepsis indicators versus those without. And what they found is that the the outcomes were similar among those groups. Also, when you look at the subset of patients with a pulmonary source and those without, once again, those outcomes were similar. So as they begin to break down these various groups, there were many similarities and no statistical significant difference and mortality associated with the early discontinuation of antibiotics, that early discontinuation being at three to four days. Now, because of the retrospective nature of this study and the fact that there are additional confounders that we cannot control for, it is very difficult for us to say that there is absolutely no increased mortality risk associated with early discontinuation of antibiotics when we do have culture-negative sepsis. However, the results of this study are certainly hypothesis generating and do suggest that there is this possibility in that prolonged treatment of culture-negative sepsis is, is potentially unwarranted. Now, when we look at the secondary outcomes of adjusted odds of C. difficile infection, as well as late sepsis indicators, we find that there were no differences between the two groups, the early versus the late discontinuation groups. So the odds of C. difficile infection and late sepsis indicators were similar. This data is building the case that early discontinuation of antibiotics at roughly day three or four amongst patients who have culture negative sepsis where an organism cannot be isolated can be beneficial and not increase risk of negative outcomes, most notably the negative outcome of increased mortality. And if this is true, it would give us another option in how we're able to address providers when it comes to management of these clinical scenarios. Because often we continue antibiotics because we don't have the data. And now if we have something that can potentially justify early discontinuation, this can actually be extremely helpful with regards to stewardship initiatives. I do believe that the more and more we see data like this being reported, especially in more recent studies, it signals the need to investigate this in more depth in a more robust clinical trial design so that we can determine with all of the, the proper clinical scenarios in place and alleviation of confounders that Indeed, we can potentially shorten the duration amongst these patients. As in any study, but especially a retrospective study, there are a number of limitations. One is that it was difficult to alleviate all confounders. So there is still believed to be additional confounders that may have been present that could have contributed in one way or the other to the outcome of the study. The second is that they limited the early discontinuation group to those who were hospitalized the entire time because they weren't able to determine uh, antibiotic use after discharge or post-discharge. With that being the case, there was the potential that this 
did bias the early discontinuation group toward patients that may have been sicker because they were the ones that were being admitted for a prolonged period of time. So that is another additional uh, consideration when you're evaluating the outcomes of, of this study and the results that they saw. Also, they did not have access to quote unquote, comfort only measures. So these are patients that had a negative outcome, but may not have met the criteria, number one, of course, of mortality, but then also that discharge to hospice. So these are the ones that are are in that that middle period, and although this is not believed to typically be a large number, we do know that this does exist. And so those individuals that may have been comfort measures but did not pass away uh, during that time frame or did not get transferred to hospice may have been somewhat lost in that count. And then you have to consider the fact that Pulmonary sites of infection represented a large number of the infection uh, sites. And the, the fact that we were unable to have diagnosis of pneumonia based upon any type of you know clinical or radiologic data. Instead, it was relying on, on coding. So from that standpoint, there may have been some discrepancy between whether or not the patient had an active infection versus a diagnosis code that really suggests just a presumed pulmonary source. So in terms of those caveats tying to the true culture negative aspect of the infection is is still something that we would we would have in question. Whereas if you had another clinical design that was not retrospective, you could evaluate many of these other uh, uh, other clinical uh, presentations in order to more appropriately diagnose and categorize uh, patients. Also. In the study, the designation of C. difficile infection was also based upon coding. So that means that it could be somewhat insensitive in capturing actual disease, especially if that was not appropriately documented. So let's talk about what's really great about this study and what makes it uh, such a I would say, eye-opener and somewhat of a game-changer as we move forward with evaluating how we should manage culture-negative sepsis. One is that it gives us more data and more information to suggest that there is a possibility that we can manage these patients without prolonged durations of antibiotic therapy. So that is is going to be one huge plus. We know that typically when these patients present, they're going to start on antibiotics just because of their clinical presentation while they're pending workup. But once we have data back and we're at the 48 to 72 hour mark and we don't have a positive culture, then we have the potential to avoid continuing antibiotic use. And so that is, you know, potentially one benefit and one reason why it is hopefully going to progress to the point where we will have a clinical trial that truly is designed to evaluate that. And when you simply consider the large number of patients with culture negative sepsis in this particular study that were included and the small fraction that actually had early discontinuation of antibiotics, there is a a huge potential for us to be able to impact overall antibiotic prescribing if we were able to better characterize 
how long the duration of therapy should be before we could approach the idea of early discontinuation at this point. Just even from this study, you see that it's very rarely done by many providers when they get this data back, typically antibiotics continue. However, we have the potential to change that pattern, to change that practice, and to really impact overall antibiotic use, decreasing that volume of use without having a negative impact on the outcomes in terms of mortality rates among among the patients that we're treating if this all is also true in a well-designed clinical trial. So we'll have to see what future studies are conducted, but this if it is true, has the potential to really make a significant impact in our stewardship practice. All right. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Day Sun Digest podcast. We do post the articles on the website, so feel free to review this article in more depth so that you can comb through many of the additional analyses that were done and not necessarily reviewed in this podcast episode. And we look forward to you tuning back in again. All right, take care. Thank you.